Waverley Mills in Tasmania is the oldest working textile mill in the country. It produces iconic blankets, rugs, throws, scarves and recycled blankets, but importantly, it's recently received a new lease on life and one that may be part of a much bigger revival in terms of domestic manufacturing. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the wool industry. I'm Murray's coming. So the name David Farley may well ring a bell for you. He's a corporate leader across agribusiness for three decades, particularly in both the cotton and wool industries. He's returned to his roots in a way with the purchase of Waverley Mills and as its executive director is building a bigger future for both the mill and domestic manufacturing on a much bigger scale, investing $16 million into the expansion of the mill and a five-fold increase in its workforce over the next five years. But instead of me going through all this, it's best that David Farley himself explain his plans for the future and where he comes from. Now, my history, it's interesting. I started my career as a jackaroo with F.S. Faulkner and Sons, uh, the, the Merino studs of Bunnick and Wanganala, uh, and had a great career with them, and especially under the stewardship of um, Rupert Murdoch and Ken Cowley. Uh, but I got to a point where I could see there was an horizon there that management was well entrenched. So at the age of 24, I went off and grew cotton, and that took up a lot of my career. I had a big career in Australia in cotton and then a bigger career internationally in cotton. And at the same time, I had an opportunity to serve on the Wool International Board, um, which I found really interesting, especially in market making in wool. Uh, and then from there, all my exposures principally being US orientated. Um, through COVID then, I had the opportunity to be introduced to um, Waverley Mills. Um, I couldn't travel anywhere, but I could travel to Waverley Mills and uh, had a look at what was there. Um, and what was there was artisans. There was a, an employed, employment base of artisans that knew how to operate uh, equipment that ranged in age from the 1940s uh, and some even older, right through to the 60s. Uh, but there, was a, there was a product there that was being produced by these artisans that I said, we, and I say we, that's the investors and I who, went, who put it together, and Australia needs to be really thinking hard about this. So we went out and raised some serious capital, both through the private equity markets, through the assistance of state government, and big assistance um, with the federal government to not only refurbish the mill, but to reskill the, the mill with new skills. We've taken it from people who had jobs before and giving them careers now uh, in the textile industry. And we're taking a brand, we've got three brands really. We've got the Australian brand, we've got the Tasmanian brand, and then we've got Waverley Mills. And Waverley Mills is 148 and a half years old. It's the longest continuously operating operations in one of Tasmania, uh, besides Glasgow Engineering. And uh, we're making products now that are very acceptable, not only to the new generation or the millennial generation, I know millennials are a broad word to use, but that's where our customer is. We're really focusing on, on where we fit within the ESG, the Environmental Sustaining Government Cycles. And partnering up now with clients, whether it be private schools, whether it be airline companies, whether it be hotel chains, etc., and addressing ESG in the woolens industry and what we can do. And uh, in, in turn, we've been able to put a development program together that uh, not only makes a product that meets those requirements that the corporates have, but also makes a product that's 
enduring, sustainable, and more importantly, in demand with the current generations. So this is genuinely exciting, but is this part of a revival of domestic manufacturing of wool, or is this always going to be a very niche boutique processing outfit? Well, first of all, you address wool in its context, it is a unique boutique fibre in the world of fibres in its own right. You address wool, what does Australia do? It produces a lot of wool. Uh, when you look at the Australian consumer, the Australian consumer buys a lot of uh, apparel and wastes a lot of apparel. Uh, but we've, what we've got is the opportunity to take the Waverley Mills, perfect the art of blending, uh, recycling and blending of products um, into, um, in, into products that fit the woolen system. We're not a worsted system, we're a woolen system. And I'd like to think that in five or 10 years time, we can look back at Waverley Mills and say, wasn't that a great pilot plant that allowed us to build this bigger plant on the mainland itself? But does that still work? Does, can we possibly uh, bring large scale domestic manufacturing back to Australia, given labor, given the environment? Uh, does it actually work, given that the customer generally is overseas? Well, it, it works to the extent that um, change in industry and in life is, is the norm. Things are changing all the time. Technology's changing. Uh, people's desires and motivation are changing. Gov government policy is changing. And what we've got at the moment is in the, th in the thematic of those three and four, we, with recycling wool in particular, we fit very well. Uh, it's been very complimentary at the moment with a 63 cent dollar on the export market. So it drives it, drives it well. So when you look at what is the consumer looking for in its purchasing, the, the, the person who's got discretion and wants to um, spend and send, spend well and make their purchases complementary to sustainability, recycling, etc. What is the corporate looking to? The corporate's looking for where is my solution on my woolen products? Uh, there. And again, we're a woolen's business. We're not in the worsted business. So what are we? We're not all of the fleece. You know, we're the pieces, we're the bellies, we're the top knots, we're the crutchings, etc. that make it up. Preferably the pieces. When we really start making some fancy stuff, we buy comb tops and chop them down. But again, I'm in the woolen system, not the worsted system. So is it a revival? It's, it's an opportunity to take Australian wool. It's an opportunity to take surplus Australian products, uh, meet the requirements of the, and the requirements and demand of the current consumer, meet the obligations of the corporate, and it's aligned with government policy. So how long does that window open? Well, if we match it with the right skills and the right techn technological investments in it, that window will be open for some time. Um, completely agree. Both federally and state governments are, are wanting more domestic manufacturing. And I think uh, the wind was certainly put up industry when foot and mouth was being discussed in a, in a realistic sense recently. Uh, so um, are you hopeful that there might be something genuinely moving here? Well, I think it's, uh, it's beyond the, you know, hope, hope's, it's an interesting strategy, but it's not a very good one to have in business. Um, so we don't we operate on hope. We've, we've done a lot of market research, our due diligence, and our performance in the marketplace today is saying, hey, this is working, but I've got to get to a point where it can work at scale now. And that's what we're really focusing on. And um, we don't want to be a boutique manufacturer. We want to be a small industrial manufacturer that can develop a... Uh, recycling model that can then step into mainstream manufacturing. And the reality is we're talking about recycling natural resources. So our footprint relieves water consumption 
our footprint relieves um, carbon emission consumption uh, through transport and logistics and all that. So it, it has got the credibility and demonstrated credibility to meet the ESG requirements and policy requirements of government. Can we get the consumer to go along with it? Um, it's a price point and the consumer then has to make that decision. Is I, Am I prepared to buy into, is, can I put my capital into sustainability, recycling and trying to make a better world? And let's hope, well, I keep saying hope, it's the wrong, you've caught me out there, but um, consumers have to start putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah, and that can be incentivised. First of all, one, it's a conscience vote. It's a conscience vote with their dollar. Two, it can be regulated. If you're buying a recycled product, maybe you could negotiate because most of our transactions are done through um, electronic means now, you tap it, and maybe we can get, in the future, get relief on GST on a recycled product. Uh, they're the type of things that we're looking at and trying to work with government is how can you make this attractive to for the consumer to say, hey, not only am I contributing to a better world, but it's actually financially a smart purchase for me. What sort of volumes are we talking about here in terms of numbers of bales, you know, from a, from a farming point of view? Well, from, you know, we are small. And uh, even though we look at it and we look at the 30-odd you know, employees we've got, we're, we're small. You know, we're consuming about 800 kilograms a day through the uh, on a seven hour, 45 minute right, shift. So four bales, yeah. four or five so, bales. Um, but then if you multiply that out under the shifts, then as I said, in, in five years to a decade, we'd like to sit back and say, wasn't that a great plant that gave us all that intelligence, all that data and all that confidence to go and build a bigger plant here in Australia? So I believe the model's there. And then the, considering at the moment, we're exporting our surplus textiles offshore to be broken down, to go right through the supply chain footprint to come back into the country. Uh, and if one of the goals of the world is to reduce the carbon footprint of consumption, models like this will work. What do people look out for, for the, in the future here? If they want to be involved, if they want to follow you? Well, I think you know, we're, we're, we've got an opportunity now. We're trying to work out our relationships with wool innovation, where we fit uh, with the wool industry itself. We've got our own consumer base that's following us through our social media uh, and our Instagram accounts, etc. Um, it's relatively early days, but they're exciting days. Um, we've got relationships we're building with wool producers now. And again, we don't take the fleece, we take pieces off the fleece. Um, so we're, we're building that, uh, we're building a client base and we're building repeat business with customers. So it's, it's really, if there's an interest there, watch this space. You know, come to the Apple Isle, come to Tasmania and enjoy Tasmania, but in Tasmania we'll be having the ability to have industrial tours through the plant and see the process in action. Isn't it wonderful that it, that it continues and after 148 and a half years it's still giving and it may well just be on the cusp of something a lot more exciting. But most of all, David Farley, welcome back to Wool. Thank and you. thank you very much for your time today. All the very best. That sounds like a, a very exciting project. Thank you, enjoyed the time. David Farley, Waverley Mills Executive Director. And needless to say, stay tuned for more updates on what is a big development for Tasmania, for wool and for domestic processing. Hope you've enjoyed hearing from David, but if you have suggestions on who you'd like us to hear from, please send an email to theyarnatwool.com. Follow us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But for now, from me, Murray is coming. Thanks for your company.